and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. All right, so as you walk through our building, as you're in the bathroom, as you're in the lobby, even while you're sitting in our worship center, you're going to see this word transform. And the reason you're going to see that word posted everywhere, most of you know, but some of you may not know, this is our theme for 2021. We desire that the people of Destiny Church, the people of God, would experience transformation in a way they never have, right? And that's what our God is interested in doing. He washes away the old. He makes us new through the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? So we need to to pursue and expect transformation to take place in us. But I think it's important we understand this word transformation. It's not just to be transformed into a better businessman or into a better businesswoman or transformed into a better spouse or into a better friend or even into a better person, but it is in fact to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We want our life to emulate who is inhabiting our heart. Amen. So we want to be more like Jesus, our words, our thoughts, our actions, the way that we love others. We want to go out and reflect Jesus. Jesus to the world that we take part in every single day. We want to be transformed to be more like Jesus. Galatians 2.20 lays it out there. It says this, when we place faith in Christ, it says my old self has been crucified with Christ. So yeah, I used to cuss people out at work, but I don't do that anymore because I'm reflecting Jesus now. Amen. The old has been, I don't know why I thought of that specific. Maybe that's a specific word for someone's particularly over here. I don't know, because I was there. I don't know. Y'all just, that's between you and the Lord. All right. My old self, this is Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I am dying to my old self. I am someone else, right? God himself, a divine being is now living in and through me. In that case, We have to see transformation. We have to see transformation. So I live in this earthly body by trusting, by having faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul writes this, he's he's plainly stating that there is a calling and an expectation on those who have placed their faith in Christ as their savior, that Uh, There there isn't only a, a transformation that happens when we put faith in Christ. There's not only a transformation that happens in the spiritual realm that we can't see. And we know that things in our eternity shift, but there is also going to be physical fruit of what's happened in the spirit by placing our faith in Jesus. Amen. We're getting deep right off the bat. This is good. But now our physical life, right? Our words, thoughts, actions, our entire character is being transformed to reflect Jesus. And thankfully, we serve a God who doesn't just tell us to white knuckle this and to just do this. Although it does take self-discipline, it does take submission to the spirit of God, but Jesus told us I'm sending a helper. So not only uh, is he inhabiting us, not only is he changing our character, but through the power of his spirit that is dwelling within us as his temple, he is helping us to be more like Jesus. It's coming into agreement with that. It's joining my spirit with the spirit of God and saying, Lord, have your way transform me, do whatever you want to do in and through me. So I want to read our key scripture this morning. And most of you who come here, you know that 
I like to read out of the NLT translation. And I want to specifically read out of the Amplified version. And if you've read the Bible, if you have the Bible app, you know you can select what translation you want. And there's like 200 on there, right? And I think maybe this is confusing for people or we don't really understand why there's so many different translations of the Bible, but I think that it's important to know they all start with the uh, original text. They start with the Greek, they start with the Hebrew, but the, the different translations, there's kind of like a spectrum. So there's word for word translations, which accurately uh, translate each word as it is. But sometimes for us who are a little more simple minded, even though they translate word for word, we still struggle to understand what is being communicated through these words. So there's word for word translations. But for some of us like Pastor Mark, who need a little help to understand these scriptures, sometimes there's translations that translate more thought for thought where maybe the, the words aren't exactly the same, but the idea being communicated, the principle is remaining the same. So you have something like the message translation, which is basically just a, a paraphrase of what the text is saying. Then on the other spectrum, you have like the amplified version or the ESV, which is going to be closer to a word for word transformation. So the NLT is somewhere in the middle and I think it's fruitful. I think it helps us understand while still staying true to the principle in the authority of the scriptures. But I wanted to use the Amplified Version for this verse specifically, just because I love how specific it is. It not only lays out the text, but in parentheses, it almost explains what those words originally meant and what they refer to. I think you'll see what I mean as we go through it. So Hebrews 11, verse one, it says this. Now faith, is the assurance, everyone say assurance, meaning title deed or confirmation. Faith is the title deed. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, which is divinely guaranteed. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be expressed experienced in the physical uh, or what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So as believers, I think what we'll discover today as we go through the text, as we pull apart this verse, because, okay, so faith is, is, is assurance in the things hoped for, confidence about the things we can't see. Okay, sounds good. And it sounds spiritual, but at the same time, I'm really confused. Pastor Mark, help me out, right? We need to kind of piece a string cheese. Let's, let's pull it apart so, so we can digest it. And what the heck is that verse telling us? Amen. So I think, and as we go through the scripture today, what we'll realize is that faith is essential. Faith is imperative. Faith is necessary for our past, for our present, and for our future. We're starting a four-week series titled Faith Foundations. We have to have faith that is the foundation to this whole Christian life. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Lord's convicted me of something that is totally unrelated to the message, and I'm hoping that I remember this every week. I'm going to put it in my notes to help me remember it. Y'all got to hold me accountable to this too, but every week I'm going to pray over the message, but I'm also going to pray that this church will start fostering kids, okay? Because I want to see this church bringing kids. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Father, it is my prayer that right now you would till the soil of our heart to receive the seed of your word, that we would receive it as truth. 
that it would grow to produce fruit in our lives, that we would be transformed by your word that is breathing. It is your breath you have communicated to us. So as we drink in your word, Father, I pray that it would transform every ounce of our being. Help us to not just hear your word, but to do your word. We don't just want to hear it. We want to do it. We want to live this thing out. And Father, I pray that the people of this church would foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. You got to think, even if I pray that every Sunday for a year, that's only 52 times that I've prayed it. So it's not that much. So I'll be praying that in my spare time too, to make sure we get up into the hundreds. <laughs> like I said, I want to do my best to pull apart the scripture here. Because although we're, we're given this biblical definition and, and it sounds good, I think also as, as we read it, it can be a little confusing and a little tough to grasp. And, but I, I think before we look at this text, though, it's important imperative that we sort of define what is faith because it's, it's giving us a little bit of a definition, but it starts with that word. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What is faith? And if I had to define faith, if you're taking notes in the room this morning, as I sat and prayed and reflected on the text and, and what I believe faith to look like, I believe faith is a total confidence and trust in the providence of God. It's a total trust and confidence in the providence of God. But I think it's equally important to clarify that we don't just blind, we, it's not that we don't just blindly trust in the provision and providence of God. It's, it's not that we don't, we just don't have to blindly trust because we've seen how that's manifested towards us um, through Jesus, right? So we've seen that his character can be trusted through Jesus, John 3, 16, 17, it says, for this is how God loved the world. He, here's how God's providence and provision has, has manifested towards you. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it is. For this is how God loved the world. This is how God's provision has taken place for the world. Here's a picture of God's providence. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. He can be trusted. His character is good. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. So we have faith in the providence and provision of God, but not unknowing what his providence and provision looks like. Does that make sense? We can specify we have confidence in the provision and providence of God because of what he's done in sending his son Jesus into the world. So when I say I put my faith in God, if I have faith in God, really what we're saying is I put my faith in Jesus who is and was sent by God to the world to die on a cross to take on the sins for those who believe. So to have faith in God is to have faith in Jesus. The two are not separate, but the two work together as God to form a complete work. So when I have faith in God, I have faith in Jesus. Amen? And I know this is kind of difficult to wrap our mind around, but we know that we have the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where they are all equally God. They are all God, but it is God in, in, in three persons. And we see this in the text as specifically how this relates to Jesus. John opens up his gospel like this. In the beginning 
the word already existed. The word is Jesus. John is talking about Jesus. John would often call Jesus the word. So we see in the beginning, the world, the word already existed. So Jesus was not created. Jesus has eternally existed in heaven. He existed before the creation of the world. He was involved in creation. He has eternally existed. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, but also the word was God. So we see Jesus has eternally existed with the father. He is not the father, but he is God. Is anyone glad they don't have to explain this this morning? Okay. He existed in the beginning with God. In Colossians, Paul elaborates on this thought of Jesus's role. He says this, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He writes, Christ, he makes it a little more plain, a little more clear, a little bit easier to absorb. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. So you have to keep in mind, if Jesus came to earth, Jesus didn't just start existing when earth was created. He created earth before he inhabited earth in human form, okay? Before he wrapped himself in flesh, He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. So not only is he the creator of everything we can see physically with our eyes, but this other realm, the spiritual realm that we are currently interacting with as well, the realm in which angels exist, in which heavenly beings and demons exist, this spiritual realm that we are colliding with every single day that is overlapped within our physical realm. He created everything that's within it. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all his fil- for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So yes, Christ is fully God. God lived in him through all his fullness. He is fully divine, but also being born of a woman, he is fully human. And the reason we can see that, this is why it's so important that Christ was born a virgin because it's the seed, it's divine seed, right? The sin of man is in the seed of man, but Jesus, there was no man involved with with the birth of Jesus. It was the seed of the spirit of God, but he was birthed from a woman. Therefore we have fully human, yet he is fully divine. Does that make sense? Anyone asleep? Y'all with me? Okay. What What I'm trying to emphasize here is we can trust, but, but I'll finish the verse first. But he, he was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. So God, through Jesus, has reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So we can see this work of God, this work of Jesus, it's, it's, it's all one. I don't just have faith in God and not have faith in Jesus, right? But, but it is a complete work of God. What I'm, what I'm trying to emphasize is that we can trust in the providence and provision of God by placing our faith in the finished work of the cross Jesus completed. Therefore, to trust God 
we have to trust Jesus. If we trust God, we trust Jesus because the two aren't separate from each other. Um, so there's some context of what faith in God is. Okay? Uh, that was just my setup. So, Lord, get me through the rest of this here. Considering that, reflecting on that, now knowing that, having that in our heart, let's go back to Hebrews 11 and, and read it again and see if there's some greater clarity that we can reap from this verse. So Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, right? Faith is the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for divinely guaranteed faith is confirmation it's confidence faith is a conviction that there are things in our future that are already ours that we've yet to experience there's things that are ours we just haven't experienced them but but by faith we believe that we've already received them that that's what this verse is saying and I don't think it's inappropriate to apply this verse to a physical healing or financial breakthrough or breaking an addiction or the restoration of a relationship or something like that. Like I, have, I haven't seen it happen yet, but I have faith God's going to do it. I think God has liberated us through our faith to have an expectation for the things of the future. We are expecting. It's one of our core values here. Because of our faith, we can expect that God is willing and able to move. And I encourage you to live life with faith, to live life with an expectation that God is going to move in powerful ways on your behalf, right? He's liberated us to live in that way. But more than that, an assurance about things hoped for, there's, I think we often forget there's this little thing called heaven, y'all, right? That we can't see, but we hope to experience. We hope and we long for by faith but we can have an assurance, 100% confidence that through faith in Jesus, that even though I can't see, touch, uh, interact with, with heaven, even though I don't know what it's fully going to look like, what that experience will totally be like, I can have 100% assurance that is something I will experience because of my faith. Where even if I didn't experience the miracle on earth, that I was hoping for something far greater awaits those who believe. So in reference to heaven, the scriptures have promised that we'll receive perfect bodies. But when we get to heaven, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. And maybe we're unfamiliar with that, but we think about, I want, or, or maybe we're familiar with that. Like we, we hear that heaven, there will be, every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. But I want y'all to reflect on some of the things you've walked through. I want y'all to reflect on some of the tragedy you've walked through some of the hurt you, you've experienced through different relationships, some of the hurt you've experienced, some of the pain, the trauma, the tragedy this life has brought upon you. Maybe there's an, a, abuse you've encountered, right? Maybe there's, uh, I, I don't know, addictions that you've been bound, abandonment you've experienced. There's hurt, pain. This life is full of it. And although we can rejoice through it, knowing God's able to turn it all around for good, I rejoice knowing that one day there is a day before me in a place that I have confidence, assurance I will inhabit, but I, I can't see yet. I rejoice knowing that one day we'll be set free from all of it. It's good. 
assurance of the things hoped for, the things ahead of us. That's part of what faith is and what faith offers, this life of expectancy. And this is why faith is an imperative part of our future. Faith is essential to our future because it encompasses things hoped for, but not yet experienced. So again, we need faith for our future because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So there it is. It's, that's why we need it for our future. Let's back to Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The evidence, everyone say evidence, evidence of things not seen. So I can't see it, but there's evidence that something's there. I, I, can't, I can't see the air. I can't see the wind. But as the leaves blow, there's evidence that it's there. Faith is evidence of things unseen. And then in the little parenthesis, it says the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And I think there's two parts to this second part of this verse here. Um, so, so we talked about how faith relates to our future, but as we observe the second part of this verse, I think we also catch a glimpse of how faith is imperative, uh, essential to our, to our past and our present too. Um, I'd like to ask a rhetorical question, but were any of y'all walking around with Jesus 2,000 years ago? No, I'm, or at least I'm guessing not. But the gospel is that a man called Christ left heaven, inhabited earth for 33 years, died on a cross, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, right? Was, was raised to power and glory. He, and he did that for the sin of the world, right? But how can we be sure of that? You didn't see it. You weren't there. And there's an argument that history, biblical and secular documents prove and mention that a man, Jesus Christ, existed. So even though we have factual evidence that Jesus existed, how do we know that Jesus wasn't some lunatic, but in fact really was the Messiah of the world? How? Now the testimonies of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us Jesus even admitted himself that he was the Messiah, that he was the savior of the world. But how do we know they're telling the truth? The reality is we weren't there. We didn't see it. But at some point we have to place faith in a man who to us is unseen, right? And that's often what faith requires. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. So even though I didn't see Jesus physically or talk with the apostles personally, I have faith that the word of God is true. I have faith that the word of God is in fact, as Timothy tells us, God breathed and useful, right? And as I read his word and obey his word, I have and will continue to reap the fruit of blessing, protection, and assurance about the things of God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, but I think there's something else you'll discover too. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 18, preaching about the cross, it sounds foolish to those who are dying in sin. But it is the power of God to those who are being saved from the punishment of sin. So the message of the cross is, is received as foolishness to those who don't believe because faith's not there. But as I, but as I read this verse, as we place faith 
in, in Jesus, our, as we place faith, our faith unlocks the power of the word of God. And, and now there's something divine that happens in us as we interact with the message of Jesus, right? My faith in Christ unlocks a greater encounter with the word of God where there's power of God involved. If we want to experience transformation, we need the word of God to guide us in that transformation to fully experience the power of the word of God. We need faith. So although Jesus was here 2000 years ago and his apostles authored the gospels and new Testament, and then his prophets authored the old Testament hundreds of years before that, I have faith. Even though I can't see it, I have faith that the word of God is still relevant and alive and active. And I believe as we commit ourselves and submit ourselves to the word of God, as we prioritize the word of God in our homes, in our families, in our personal life, as we devote ourselves to the word, we will see the fruit in our life. So again, faith is involved with my future. It's essential for my past. But what I just absolutely love um, and how we'll probably talk a lot more about in, in the series is how faith affects my present. And, and it's the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. You, you can't physically see someone, someone put their faith in Christ, right? I made the joke almost like a year ago that it's not like we turn blue when we put faith in Jesus. It's unseen. There, there's an invisible exchange that happens as I place faith in Jesus. But you can, so you, you can't physically see someone put their faith in Jesus, but you can physically see, see, see someone who has put their faith in Jesus. You know what I mean? So this is kind of a uh, cool, cool story here. But when I was at the CrossFit Games last week, I went in to buy a friend a t-shirt at their little rogue booth. So I have the t-shirt and I walk up to the cashier. It's this girl checking me out, checking out me, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't checking me out. She was checking me out, you know. <laughs> and, and the most wild thing happens. I'm, I, I give her the shirt to pay for it. And she looks at me and she goes, are you a pastor? And I start, literally, I start looking at myself. <laughs> thing, am I wearing something that says church on it? Am I wearing my Destiny church hat? I'm like, we, I, I don't even know this girl. I've never seen this girl in my life. And I'm thinking, what is, I, I was almost confused when she asked me. I'm like, you're not supposed to know that. I'm like, then I start, I'm like, did you receive revelation from the spirit of God? Like, are you about to give me a prophetic word right now? Cause I'm here for it. Like, <laughs> And then, I, and then I had the quick thought of, did she, was there something about my character? She realized there. She's like, wow, you just really appear as a man of God. You know, that's what I'm hoping for, at least. But I'm so confused. I'm like, uh, yeah. How, how, I'm like, how do you know that? She's like, I've watched your sermons on YouTube. Yeah. Isn't that wild? So was I blown away? Yes. <laughs> did, did I just silent brag? Absolutely. Come on. <laughs> but my point is that maybe this girl didn't recognize I was a Jesus follower by my character or demeanor, right? But you know what? When we have faith 
in Christ, it should be obvious by the way that I live my life that I am a Jesus follower. So I, I, I think there's a story in the scriptures. I want to invite Kim to the piano if that'd be okay. There, there's a story in the scriptures that I think illustrates this so well. And, and here's how I want to close this thing out. And, and then I'll get you guys out of here. But Acts 4 verses 1 through 13, it says this, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they're sharing the message of Jesus, right? Uh, they had just healed the man at the gate. Beautiful. People are blown away that uh, a man who had been lame for so long, the lame beggar is up walking and, he, and he's in the temple gates, the temple courts. People can't believe this miracle has taken place and they're giving God glory, saying it's not our own power, but, but it's the God who's at work within us and through us. There, there's power that follows Jesus followers. Amen. So let's get to the text. It says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard and some Sadducees. And these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until the morning. So they heal this man. They're, they're sharing the gospel. They're sharing about Jesus, who he is, what he does, what he's willing to do. And then they, they put him in jail. They're in jail overnight. Should have spaced out my notes a little here. It's all running together. But it says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed and knew totaled about 5,000. So the next day, they're still in jail, right? It says, it says, the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. And they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, we need a church of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. He said to them, just been in jail, right? He, he just been in, he's just been in jail, but he's not scared because he's got the Spirit of God on the inside of him at work. He says, rulers and elders of people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly, y'all say clearly. I don't want y'all confused. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, I'm going to yell so everybody can hear me. That's what he's saying, that he was healed by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You got to keep in mind, here Peter is. It's like the gospel just oozes out of him. He's, he's been in jail, but he can't help testify. He can't help talk. He can't help around. He can't help but walk around in power. He can't help. And this is faith. This is faith that's producing this. In him, there is salvation in no one else. And the members of the council, verse 13, the members of the council were amazed, say amazed, when they saw the boldness 
of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them. Here, here's the part that they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I, I love that last verse. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, I don't want to pull this scripture out of context because I believe that they physically saw them interacting, walking around with Jesus before he passed. So I think they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But if Galatians 2.20 is true and Christ is living on the inside, Christ is living through me, right through the power of the Holy Spirit. If I have the power, if I'm a temple of the, of the presence of God, if I am a carrier of the presence of Christ, then maybe when people interact with me, when people interact with you, they should recognize you as someone who has been with Jesus. Amen. Come on, my faith is producing something in the present and I can't see Jesus on the inside of me, but there's going to be fruit. There's going to be evidence of things unseen. So the way I talk, the way I walk, I walk with power and authority. I have a love that is unexplainable. I can forgive people. I can encourage people. I can lay hands on people and see them healed. Amen? When I put faith in Jesus, he produces fruit in my life. My faith produces fruit. And, and that's why believers can walk through tragedy and still experience joy. That's why believers who were once bound by sexual addiction can walk in purity. That's why you experience a love like you. That's why people can encounter you and ex experience a love like they never have before. That's why believers can lay hands on people, see them heal. That, that, that's because faith, our invisible faith, right, produces visible fruit are invisible and that's what faith is right evidence of things unseen our invisible faith produces visible fruit our faith is the assurance of things hoped for and evidence of things unseen faith is foundational for my past present and future but it all starts with belief in the messiah that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for you. It's the gateway. It's the doorway. It's, come on, Jesus, this faith in Jesus unlocks every spiritual blessing. That's what Ephesians tells us. Every spiritual blessing. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.